What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling. With four angel babies myself and two rainbow babies here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. And before we begin, huge shout out to the Radis fam on the internet the lamb fam for supporting the sponsors who support our show so we can continue to provide this weekly for free so i know what we talk a lot about advocating for ourselves on this podcast so i just wanted to share that one way i was able to simply do so was just by switching my prenatal from a folic acid based prenatal to a folate prenatal which helps if you have MTHFR gene mutation. I have no idea if I had that as my doctor was not willing to test me for it, unfortunately, which I have heard from a lot of you guys that that is a commonality. I don't know why, but it is a simple step that we can take on our own. So one that I highly recommend is Fairhaven Health's prenatal, and I will go ahead and link it. It's called the Peapod Prenatal. It is super affordable. It's linked in the description of this episode. And if you use the code LAM, L-A-M, it should give you 10% off. And just a big thank you for everyone who does use the link as it does help support the Life After Miscarriage show. So let's get into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We have Jennifer Martinez on today's episode. I'm not going to lie. We've already recorded this and I had some technical difficulties. So she was sweet enough to do this again. Jennifer, I am so excited to have you on here. I have heard your story, but I know some things have changed since then. So I am so excited to kind of hear um, a little bit more about you and what's going on. So I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like. Thank you, Shelly. Um, I just want to tell you that I really do appreciate your podcast and how you allow us to talk about our, I guess, experience. Um, I hope that I'm not all over the place because my story is a little bit different than normal. Um, so I just wanted to start off uh, at the beginning, I guess. I do have three kids from previous relationships. And I know on my last one, I really didn't talk about um, my pregnancies with them, but this time I wanted to share a little bit more. Um, I've have struggled with depression through like my whole life um, due to childhood trauma and stuff like that. So when I got pregnant my first time, um, I was dealing um, with depression like really bad that I did start on antidepressants and therapy just because um, I would get really bad nightmares of my childhood trauma. Um, but I, you know, I knew I needed help and I did seek the help that I needed. My pregnancy uh, with her, she's 14 years old now, uh, was very normal. Uh, nothing major, you know. I did choose um, to have natural childbirth. Um, So I did have um, the, I guess, like the drug that helps you with the pain through IV. But once you're in active labor, you can't really have anything. So I did have her um, naturally. I figured that women back in our day didn't have drugs for um, childbirth, so I wanted to experience it myself. I know it's crazy, but I did it. Um, so then, you know, fast forward, I have a nine-year-old son. Uh, my depression with this pregnancy um, was not as bad as my first one. Uh, my doctor was more about going the natural way, trying to, um, I guess, deal with it. So she would recommend um, for me to walk do, and keep myself busy. She didn't want to prescribe me antidepressants right away just because she said that um, sometimes it could affect the baby, which I think it's up to whatever the doctor feels in their personal opinion, I guess. 
So I did follow her instructions and I just try to keep myself busy. I would take walks every day and I guess it did help me with my depression little by little. Um, with him, his pregnancy was good. Um, I didn't have any complications. Um, birth with him was an experience. I started getting contractions like really early in the morning. And by the time I got to the hospital, I was already dilated at 10. So I didn't even have a chance to anything. Like, they're like, oh, we just need to wait for a doctor. Like, don't push, don't push. And I'm like, I need to push. So his birth was like 100% natural. And I think it's an experience that I'll never forget. Um, I guess, you know, you feel all the pain, but then once you get to carry your child, like you forget about all the pain that you went through, like the contractions and, you know, the pushing and everything. Um, so yeah, his, I will never forget. And then I have my third son, he's five years old. His was a healthy pregnancy as well. I did get a little bit of depression, but I guess since you could say I had experience it twice already, I try to keep it under control. And with him, I did get induced. Um, he was, I still had like about two or three weeks before my due date and he was already like eight pounds. So my doctor um, said, you know, your baby's getting too big. We need to try to induce you before because otherwise you're going to have like a very big baby. So I did get induced with him. And when I asked, like, how long does this process work? Because, you know, with my other ones, uh, childbirth had been pretty fast. They told me it could take days or hours that, that you couldn't really have a specific time. So I did um, decide to get the epidural. And I guess in a way, I kind of regret it because I couldn't really feel anything compared to my last two births where I was able to feel when I would push and everything. Um, so it was a little bit different. Um, so since I did get the epidural, um, I had decided to get uh, my tubes tied. Um, I already had three kids and my relationship or marriage at the time wasn't at its best. So I figured it, it wasn't the best to continue having children. So that relationship did end in a divorce. Um, we did split up at the beginning of 2018. And um, it was kind of hard, but I think we were um, just really not meant to be together. And um, at the end of October 2018, I ended up meeting um, someone and we just uh, hit it off real quick. We started talking and, you know, things went pretty quick. We started dating and, you know, by the time, you know, I like, we were spending like all the time together. Um, we did end up moving, moving in together for a while. And um, I was honest with him and I told him about my situation, you know, like I, can't have any more kids and he he doesn't have any kids so I just wanted to make sure before we got into like a committed um, serious relationship that he was okay knowing that I wasn't going to be able to have any kids um so we did have a talk you know and he said he was okay with that and you know we just laughed at that at that we did talk about like if in case you know we could adopt or try to do IVF or something but I think that wasn't really in the picture like we were just okay with me having my three kids and not being able to have our own child together um so then fast forward to April of 2019 um I had started getting really bad stomach pains um like bad that I wasn't like I couldn't even move like I had to be laying down a specific way because otherwise my stomach would just hurt and then um 
my stomach had been getting bloated, but it would only get bloated at night. And like, you would touch my stomach and it was super hard. And I'm like, that's weird. So then I was like, well, maybe it's just like bloated because I'm going to get my period. And then the following week, um, my stomach was bloated all day. Like it looked like I was already pregnant or something. And I'm like, that's, you know, I was like, oh, you know, like, I was like, it's not possible. Like, um, I can't have kids anymore. So I just dismissed it and I just kept waiting and we kind of joked around about it. They're like, oh, what if I'm pregnant and stuff like that. And we're like, ah, like you're funny kind of thing. And we just dismissed it. So uh, my cycles by now or by then they had been pretty regular. So um, I kind of like, I was always on track on my days and by um, this time I had been two days late so I decided to take a pregnancy test I'm like oh you know just for kicks and giggles like I'm gonna take a pregnancy test but I guess deep down like I knew that I couldn't be pregnant so I'm just like oh whatever so I get a test from the Dollar Tree thinking you know like I'm not gonna spend some like pregnancy tests are expensive so I'm like I'm not gonna spend so much money on a pregnancy test and I took one of those and it quickly turned positive. And I was like, oh shit, like, like, no, this can't be right. Like, it's a Dollar Tree test. Like, it's cheap. Like, it can't be true. So I, I ended up calling him and I asked him, I'm like, hey, are you sitting down? And he's like, no, why? And I'm like, you need to sit down. <laughs> and um, I just like straight out and said it. I'm like, I'm pregnant. And then I sent him a picture and then I'm like, um, I was like, well, maybe it's not true because it was kind of still kind of, uh, one of the lines was very light. So then I told him, I was like, uh, can you get one from Walgreens just to make sure? And I was all freaking out. And I think he was like, he was excited and I was just freaking out. So he ends up getting the test and, um, I take two more. And right away they turned positive. And I was just like, I was speechless. I was like, how is this possible? I really didn't know how to feel. And I didn't want to get excited either because I knew the risk of having a tubal pregnancy because obviously my tubes were tied. So I was trying to like stay grounded on, you know, the possible outcomes. But at the same time, I think deep down I had like a little bit of hope and you know I started googling stories and I start reading all these stories how women after like four or five years of their surgery they get pregnant and they have successful pregnancies with healthy babies and stuff like that and I kept like trying to like find a story where it didn't happen or something but honestly like all I could find was like successful stories which I guess in a way like I felt like oh maybe this could be me too or whatever but I was trying to be realistic and I'm like okay so by then by this time I found out it was May 1st 2019 so I made an appointment right away and um I called a place first. <clears throat> I tried to call my uh, regular OB, but he he was he was booked until like I don't know when. And then I tried to call another place, and they're like, "Oh, we can't see you until like I think it's eight weeks or something like that that they see you." I'm not really sure. Um, and I'm like, and I try to explain the situation, and they're like, "Oh, well, we can't see you until then." And I'm like, "Okay," I'm like rude. So then I call another place, um, which is where I had my, my last, no, yeah, my last boy. And uh, I explained them to the situation. I'm like, you know what, you're, I was like, the doctor was the one that did the surgery. And I was like, by this, I, it was four years later and I'm like, and I'm pregnant. And I'm like, I already took three tests and they all came back positive. I'm like, I just want to make sure like what's going on. So I think by my calculations and when they told me I was um, six weeks going to seven weeks, 
and uh, so they do the urine test and it, if it comes back positive and um, I remember my appointment was that Friday so it was May 3rd so they confirmed the pregnancy with the urine test and then the doctor suggested you know like well, we might be able to see the baby, so we need to make sure where the baby is at. So I get an ultrasound, and the tech couldn't find anything, and she's, you know, doing her measurements or whatever. So then she does um, a vaginal ultrasound, and she can't find the baby. So I think at this time, like, I was just, like, feeling so anxious and scared. I didn't know really what to expect, but deep down inside, like, I was hoping that I would be able to see the baby and that everything would be fine, you know, just like all those Google stories. Um, so after she does a vaginal, like she can't find anything. She's just kind of like looking around. So then I go back to the doctor and he's like, you know what, like we can't, she couldn't find where the baby's at. So she's like, maybe you're, um you're off on your days or maybe the baby is on your tubes and or somewhere else and we can't you know we need to find the location of it to make sure um what we need to do next and um he tells me that we have a 50 50 chance that the pregnancy could be in the right place in the uterus or in the fallopian tubes or even somewhere else and um so of course it's Friday and I'm like you know I thought I was gonna go in having some answers or something and I just at the end of the appointment I felt worse like like I'm like you're a doctor you're supposed to tell me like what's wrong or where you know so he tells me the only way for us to find out where where it could possibly be is by checking my ACG levels he said if the ACG levels doubled, the preg pregnancy was more likely to be um, a good pregnancy and in the right place. And if it wasn't, then, you know, we were going to have to wait um, to see, you know, once we can actually see where the baby was located at. So Friday, I, you know, Friday right after the appointment, I went to go get my blood run for the HCG levels and um I think that weekend I honestly like all I did was like lay in bed and kind of cry um I really didn't understand like what was going on I'm like how is this even possible like why is this happening to me and um my partner at that time, he, you know, he was very helpful with my kids. I remember um, I had the, all kids, all my kids that weekend and he kind of just took over and was taking care of them, trying to like make things less awkward, I guess, because you could tell that something was wrong with me. So then um, I remember on Sunday, he just wanted to cheer me up and we end up going to Dave and Buster's and, you know, just told me to like try to not to stress that it wasn't healthy for the baby and, you know, just kind of enjoy the weekend. So we did that and it did get my mind off of it for a little bit and, you know, um, starting to feel a little bit hopeful, I guess, you know, um, be positive about the situation. So then on Monday, I had to go again and get my um, my HCG levels checked again to see if they had doubled or decreased or stayed the same. And um, so I was feeling fine. You know, I was reading articles and stuff and I had no bleeding. So I was like, oh, you know, you know, maybe this is going to work out fine. Um, but then I felt like I spoke too soon um, right before I went to sleep on Monday night. I had like the smallest spot of blood like I went after I went to go pee and I started to panic I'm like oh my god like no like it's blood so I started to freak out but it was like just like a tiny amount and I'm like no like 
you're fine. Like, it's okay. It's like a little bit of blood is normal. And um, so every time I, I would go pee, like, throughout the night, I, you know, I would check. And then in the morning again. And then um, since it wasn't that much, like, I decided to still go to work that morning. And um, I you know, I was just like, well, I'm going to hope for the best and see what happens. And then the bleeding slowly began to increase. So then I get a, a phone call from the doctor and he gives me my results of my HCG levels and they had decreased by a lot. Like, I can't remember the numbers, but it was like a dramatic drop of, um, of the levels. And so I told him, I was like, you know what, like I started bleeding and I'm bleeding right now. And then he tells me, he's like, well, you're probably going to start miscarrying then. And he asked me to go in and go in to the office. And um, I remember as soon as he told me that, like, I, I was still at work, obviously. So I go to the restroom and I start crying. Like, I guess I felt like the worst case scenario was happening. Um, so I just try to like brush it off. I'm like, okay, well, what do we need to do next? Um, so I go in to the doctor and um, the bleeding by then started to increase more. And, and I just felt like I just wanted to go home. So he ends up checking me and says that my uterus was open, meaning that the pregnancy was good and that it was in the right place and um I think at that moment my heart just kind of dropped and I was trying to be strong not to cry like in front of the doctor but I just remember like my eyes getting so watery and I I um I guess I wanted to think that maybe if it was in the Philippine tubes, like it would have been better. Like I would have been like, Oh, well the baby couldn't survive or whatever. But knowing the fact that it was in the right place, I think just made it worse for me because I, you know, I have kids, like I know what I lost. I know all those feelings and, um, yeah, so so he tells he ends up calling it a spontaneous abortion, which I hate the name. Um, and um, so he gives me, you know, the talk about one out of four pregnancies and then miscarriage. But he was just like very dry about it, like you know, all technical and stuff. And I think by then, like I was kind of crying, and he gives me a Kleenex, and he's like, "Oh, it's okay," like you know, like whatever. And I'm like no, it's not okay. Um, and he just gives me the, you know, he tells me, well, here are your options. Like you could either get a DNC and he explains to me what it is. Cause I, you know, I didn't have experience with this or he's like, I can prescribe you a pill. I can't remember the name of it, but he's like, I, I can prescribe you the pill and it will help you with the process of you know, getting everything out. Um, he's like, but since you already started the process on your own, he's like, I'd probably try to go with the pill first. And if everything's not out, um, we, we would need to schedule a DNC. Um, so I was like, okay, let's do that. So I chose the pill first. And um, uh, I just go home and take the pill and um I remember just like laying in bed and I think it's crazy how they say that it's um oh it's just gonna be like a painful period blah 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 and I'm like that is not <laughs> a period like a period like there was just like so much blood and um I guess tissue I'm not really sure like 
it was just blood on top of blood and like a very mental picture that I feel like sometimes I try to get rid of, but I can't. Um, so then I had to go back to get my HC levels um, checked again to make sure, you know, that they go back to zero. And I go again and I get the same lady from before and she's like, oh, you, you're here again. And she's like all cheerful and stuff. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I have to check my levels again. And I tell her like, I'm miscarrying. And then like the look on her face, like just went blank. Like, I feel like she didn't know what to say. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's okay. She offered me like an orange juice or something. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like an orange juice is not going to make me feel better. <laughs> And, um, so I just kind of leave it, like, I wasn't trying to, like, be mad at her or anybody, it was just, I guess, the situation, so I'm like, whatever, so I had to, um, after that, I think I had one more test to check my ACG levels, and then finally, it was at zero. Um, I, I think at that moment, I was just trying to get the process of the miscarriage done, and I just went back to work. I didn't really take any time off. I just kind of didn't want to deal with it at the time. And I just felt so confused on how it even happened. Like, I'm like, this wasn't even supposed to happen. And um, I asked, like, why, you know, like, why did this happen? And the only reason the doctor could, that the only reason the doctor gave me was um, that the younger you have the operation, um, the more likely that your body will try to heal on its own. And sometimes it creates like a different um, openings, I guess, or I guess it just tries to heal itself. And um, so then um, I had written down on my work calendar, like the weeks that I would be like, oh, this week I would have been eight, nine, 10, blah, blah. So my, my goal was to reach 12 because I know that's like the normal, um, I guess, safe zone, you know, if you want to call that, um, of being pregnant. And, um, so I had to like scratch that out out of my calendar and then, I had I would have like these moments where I would just feel so sad and um I would go to the to the restroom and cry and for me I guess crying is really not that normal I guess before all of this and um I I'm the type of person that just kind of like puts all their feelings in a little box and just tries to leave them there but this time I couldn't. And um, <clears throat> um, I just felt this extreme sadness. And normally I would listen to podcasts during work. So um, I'm like, well, I'm like, there has to be like something like how to deal with this or like what to do. So I ended up searching miscarriage and I ended up finding your podcast and I started listening to this while I was at work. Um, I think one of the things that we all share in common is like how we feel so lonely. Like, you know, unless you've been through it, you know how it feels. Um, not, it's not even the emotional part too. It's like the physical part of it. The pain, the mental pictures that you get during the process and having to deal with, you know, like nurses going back to your, to do your HC levels and you're in places where women are pregnant and you're like, you know, everybody's like, Oh my congratulations. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm miscarrying. Like, no, don't tell me that. So I was just like, you know, being, I guess, bitter about stuff. And, um, with my partner, it was like this giant elephant in the room. Like we couldn't really talk about it. And I think that that's when I realized how like men and women honestly do grief differently and view babies, pregnancy different. Like I think for women, as soon as we find out that we're pregnant, we start 
picturing their lives like we start thinking about names if it's a boy or girl and you know we just start like envisioning their life and you have this like life for this person you know their future planned out and I think for men I think it's more when they actually see the baby or carry the baby and for us it's like the moment that we know it's in in us like we're carrying this you know baby in us we're giving it nutrients like your baby is your baby since like day one and um so it was really hard you know like it did put our relationship like in an awkward place just because I felt like we couldn't talk about it and um he was supportive but not the way that I needed him to be supportive um so you know I felt like the only thing I had was this podcast and I started to listen you know on a daily basis and I didn't feel so alone I was able to relate on so many levels with a lot of women but then at the same time sometimes I would feel so guilty like I would stop myself and I felt like, you know, my miscarriage was my fault because I did this to myself. Like, I chose to have the surgery, and I'm like, I should be grateful that I have been able to have kids, that I have three kids, that I have, you know, and I'm like, why am I feeling like this? And um, I think it hit me really hard when my daughter, at the time, she was... 13 and she wrote me a letter telling me how much she loved me and to stop feeling sad and I guess I regret it now but that letter made me feel so sad and horrible as a mother that I actually did throw that letter away because she said she's like you still have three kids that that love you and when she put that like that I was like wow like you know like I really I do and um it just kind of like broke my heart to be honest and I really didn't know how to react and I kind of just wanted to pretend like that it never happened or I don't know just I kind of wanted to like press delete or something and it made me feel bad because knowing that she could see how sad I was or like how off I was about this. And at the same time, it made me feel like what actually defines a child? Like people say like, oh, well, you have three kids already. And I'm like, yeah, but losing the one that I lost is not any less than the three I have. So it was kind of like a battle between myself that I was struggling with. And um, I'm the type of person that has to have like a goal or something, you know. So I was like, so I switched my focus on the miscarriage itself. And I really wanted to know the why. So I started to um, focus on the why. Um, I did bleed for like almost almost three weeks after the miscarriage. So I, um, I had to wait to make an appointment with my regular OB. Um, so I, you know, I told him what happened and I got, he sent me to get blood work done, all these tests. And um, one of the tests that he had me um, get checked was on my thyroid and it came back off, um came back off so I had to get an ultrasound on my thyroid to make sure that it was okay and then it, that one came back normal uh we had genetic testing done to make sure you know that it wasn't anything genetic and that came back normal um so the final test that I um needed to do was for myself and that was the HCG test and from your podcast, I had heard that it could be painful. 
So I did take some Tylenol before and it did help me. And I mean, it was painful, um, but it was actually kind of cool to see like once they insert the dye, like how quickly you can see how it starts flowing through your body, but you can feel that too. Like it feels kind of like cold. I don't know. It's, it's a different experience. And he ended up actually having to inject me with the dye two times because of the, um, to get accurate results. Um, so afterwards, I think it was more painful than the process itself. You know, like you afterwards, they do give you a pad and you get all this like gush of liquid and then come out and you start bleeding. So I think for me, it hurt more afterwards. Um, he kind of did give me the results right then and there, which I did appreciate or liked because I, I think waiting for results during all of this process is like, gives you more anxiety, like on top of like everything you're dealing with. And you're like, Oh no, you have to wait like a week or two weeks for your results. I just, I just hate it. Like I'm not a patient person at all whatsoever. So, um, he kind of gave me a brief, you know, description. He said that my right side was completely closed, that there was no spillage. And on my left side, he said that I had some spillage, meaning that there was an opening. So I guess, you know, I finally got my answer on the why. And then he told me that my doctor would, you know, give me my results and like with more details and stuff like that. Um, so then by, by the time I go back to my doctor, he, you know, he gives me the results and he tells me, you know, he's like, it looks like on your left side, either my body created like another little tunnel, I guess, connected to my fallopian tube. And that's where the spillage was coming or it just kind of like healed on its own. And then he did suggest to, um, take a birth control and I just I just felt like that was stupid I'm like that defeats the whole purpose of me getting my tubes tied like getting the surgery and I'm like what's the purpose you know so he told me you know you can still have a chance obviously now we know that your left side has a small opening and you could get pregnant it might happen again so you need to take birth control or use condoms. And he did give me that option. He's like, you are young. And by then we've had all my test results. And he's like, you're healthy. Um, you can, if you do want to try to have a baby, you can do the reversal surgery and try on your own versus um, doing IVF. Um, and he, you know, kind of compared the, the price, the cost of stuff. And I think by then I just, I was more focused on the why that I really didn't know what I wanted. And at least I had my answers. And so I, I had heard that after your HSG tubes kind of get cleared up or unblocked, like it helps to unblock them for a lot of women. And you get, uh, some women get pregnant afterwards, but I'm like, you know, like I wasn't even thinking about that or anything. So July, uh, we took a summer family vacation just to unwind and, you know, take some time off of everything that had happened during all that time. And I think that was like the first time where I wasn't thinking about what had happened and I felt you know, normal or whatever normal is. And um, after the vacation, um, we kind of did, did talk about what we wanted to do and our options. And we decided that we did want to try again or to see if we would even be able to be like a right candidate for the reversal surgery. And I ended up making a, an appointment with the endo, 
endocrinologist or however you say it. And I didn't get an appointment till like mid of August. So I was like, okay, well, at least, you know, like I felt like we were taking the proper steps to find out, you know, to get more clear answers and see if this was even possible to do again. And so then the last week of July, my stomach starts getting bloated again. My breasts are like super sore and full and out of nowhere, like I start getting like cravings, like real bad cravings. I start craving for some reason a strawberry cupcake, like those cravings where you could just like feel it, like the taste of it in your mouth. So I was like, oh my God, we need to go like buy a strawberry cupcake. And then obviously again, we like joked around. We're like, oh, like what if I'm pregnant? And I'm like, if I'm pregnant again and I don't have a strawberry cupcake, the baby's going to come out with a strawberry head. So we're like, ha ha ha, you know, kind of like joking around. So he ends up, um, we end up going to to Target and he ends up buying stuff to make me strawberry cupcakes. And they're like the most delicious strawberry cupcakes I had ever had. So my cravings are strong. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe it's just because I'm going to get my period. Because I've heard sometimes like when I, when I get my period, I usually crave like something sweet, like chocolate or whatever. So I'm like, oh, it's just my period. And, um, but obviously like, you know, back of your head, you're like, oh, but what if? Oh, you know, like, no. And I'm like, oh, no, but what if? So I was like, oh my God, like, I was so anxious. I was like, I can't wait to get my period. Like, I'm just going to take a test. So August 2nd, I ended up taking a test and positive again. And this time I was like, well, I'm going to take one to confirm it. So I got one of the ones where it says pregnant, pregnant, and then the one that tells you yes or no. And then right away it turned yes. And I was like, oh my God, here we go again. So I tell him and I'm like, I'm pregnant. And then, you know, I, I think this time I try to make it cute just because I felt like the first one, it was kind of like in a hurry or something. So what I did was I got him like a little card um, saying like, Oh, you're going to be a dad or something like that. And our babies do this date I can't remember the due date on this one it was like April something I think and then I put the babies this I think um according to my calculations I was like super early I was barely four weeks I put the babies the size of a poppy seed or and um and I put it like in the bed or something but so he could see it when he got off work so I try to make that one special and um I just feel like sometimes those moments are just like ripped away from us and not special anymore. Um, so August 3rd was a Saturday and I was planning to go to the mall um, for hot dog and a stick. Um, I was, like I said, like my cravings were pretty strong. Um, so he ends up calling me to see if I'm home and he's like, you haven't seen the news? And I'm like, no, why? And that's when um, El Paso shooting happened. And there was like threats everywhere, um, all over. Like there was the shooting happened at Walmart, which is kind of close to the mall. And he's like, no, don't go to the mall. Like there's been a shooting there. And they were telling people through the news not to go to Walmarts because, you know, they weren't sure if it was one person or two that were shooting and stuff like that. So it was just kind of like a, it was like a chaos day here. So he ends up coming home and um, he tells me like, oh, let's just get away for a little bit. Like um, we need to get away from here. So we end up going to a lake, like it's a few hours away from here. And um, we go with some of his friends that were already there. And they're on the jet ski and I'm just like, no, like, I don't want to go. So I'm like, you, you, you go. And I'm just sitting down. Um, since I had the miscarriage, like, I just felt like 
maybe if I got pregnant again, like I would be high risk or something bad could happen. So I just didn't want to risk anything. And I just felt scared. Like I didn't want to get on. So he's like, Oh, come on. Like we came over here to relax and to get away. So he ends up convincing me. He's like, I'll go slow. Like, don't worry. And so I get on, but I don't know, I guess like, I just had this gut feeling that it wasn't that I shouldn't have or whatever, you know, like this is not a good idea. So I feel like this one was like short lived. Um, by the next morning, the same thing started all over again with the small little spotty and, um, it was like all over again. And I was like, no, please, like, not again. Like, you know, I just felt like this time, like, it was going to be our little rainbow miracle baby just because all my symptoms were, like, stronger. You know, my boobs, my cravings, my stomach was super hard. And, you know, since my previous pregnancy was in the right place, like, I thought, you know, maybe this time, like, it's going to be good. My, maybe the, the HSG did clear up my, um, block my tube and it made it, you know, cleared it a little bit more. And this baby's, you know, this baby's going to be my rainbow baby. But, you know, obviously the bleeding started, you know, more and more. And I'm just like, I guess I'm like, okay, well, I know how this process is going to be. So that was a Sunday. And then uh, Monday I ended up calling in and I just kind of like laid in bed and did the process. I was like, I'm just going to let the process begin. And I think by this time I kind of felt numb, like, I'm like, why is this happening again? And I was just super disappointed. And I felt mad at myself for, I guess, having some hope or feeling like, oh, this could be it. And um, since it was right before my appointment with a specialist, um, I thought, you know, like, oh my God, this is like perfect timing. Like, I'm not gonna have to go to the doctor or, you know, spend a whole bunch of money on the surgery or whatever we decided to. Um, so, yeah, um, my appointment comes up and um, they did a series of tests, including sperm count, um, egg count and quality, a whole bunch of blood work. So all of this was like two months worth of tests. Um, and then he comes back and he asked for my, my tubal surgery um, report. And I think it's kind of weird how they say like your tube's getting tight because it's, they actually really don't. So what he explained to me is that on my surgery, I actually got my tubes cut and burned on the ends of it. Um, and on my left side, he said that he thought it was kind of weird because on my left side, I actually got cut um, more than on my right side. So he thought it was weird that my left side was the one that was kind of healed or had the spillage. Um, so basically, he explained that depending on where the doctor cuts your fallopian tube, if he cuts too much of it, then you don't have enough to reconnect it again. Um, I guess there, and I looked it up, there's like so many different ways of getting your tubes tight. I get, um, the word is weird, but, um, you could, there's clips, there's, um, I can't remember. There's like several different types that you can actually get it. So mine, I thought it was crazy. Mine were cut and burnt. Um, so he said, depending on how much they took off and how much you have left over, um, you can do the reversal surgery. 
I did ask him what he suggested too as well. And he said um, that the reversal due to my age, that I was healthy and my account and all my stuff came back normal, that at least with the reversal, you have multiple opportunities to try to get pregnant versus IVF. You only have one shot to do it. And every time, obviously, you have to pay in this, this way. You only pay one time, and you get to try multiple times. Um, so I decided, you know, you know, after he checked um, mine, he said that he would be able to do that. So I guess what they actually end up doing is cutting a little bit of the piece where it was burnt. Um, cutting those little sides off and then reconnecting them by, um, I guess, like stitching them back. And um, those stitches stay in there. And I guess your body normally just kind of heals that on its own. And that's how they reconnected my, my tubes again. And on my right side, I had more space. So um, there was no issues on my right side. It was just my left side that it was going to be a little bit shorter than my right side. Um, so uh, we ended up deciding, obviously, to get the surgery. I decided to get the surgery November of 2019 just because of, you know, the time off that we get from work um, for Thanksgiving. And, um, I think, um, my, the pain afterwards was on a next level. <laughs> I feel, I feel like the pain was way worse than contractions in labor itself. Like, I'm not going to lie. Personally, that's how I felt. And I've had natural childbirth. Um, it's like a different pain that I can't even explain. Like I wasn't able to really walk or even laughing would hurt. I did get some strong medication to help with the pain. So as soon as I started feeling pain, I would, um, take, take the medication. Um, I was in bed for like a week, like on bed rest because I really couldn't move and it just hurt. And mine was, um, I had like four small incisions that they did. So I have the little scars, um, but they weren't like, it wasn't a major um, surgery. And it's actually kind of like in the movies where they count to like 10, nine, one. And then honestly, from then, I don't remember. I don't remember anything. Um, I just remember waking up and I couldn't even move because you have to go under um, general anesthesia. Um, I couldn't, I was trying to open my eyes and um, my partner at the time, he's calling out my name and he's like, can you hear me? And I could hear him, but I was trying to open my eyes and I couldn't. And um, he just, I remember he's just like touching my hand and um, I was trying to move, but I couldn't. And I was like trying to tell him like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm awake. Um, so I think I was able to, finally I was able to move my pinky and I was like trying to tell him like, I'm awake, I can hear you. And um, they actually, they don't let you go until you pee first and until you start kind of like feeling your body again. Um, for, for me to feel my legs again, it took a while and um so yeah a surgery recovery honestly it sucked but i guess it's what we do to try to be a um, mother again um i really did feel like i was meant to be a mother again and you know i i wanted to go i didn't want to go through the pain but i felt like if i had to like this is what i was going to do to have my rainbow baby um, so the recovery process was actually, you know, um, it took longer than I thought. I was like, oh, I'm healthy. Like, this can't be that bad. I'm like, I have four little small incisions. 
And actually, it took about eight weeks for me to actually feel good. Um, I would try to walk, and for some reason, like, I would get really tired really quick, and um, I would hurt, like, depending on how I was positioned, like, my stomach would hurt. So I just kind of try to take things easy. And um, so then January 2nd, 2020 was my due date. And um, I think everything hit me that day because I feel like I could have been meeting my baby right now. Like, um, like the two miscarriages back to back, the surgery, um, kind of like all the feelings that I had been avoiding like I think I was just kind of like on autopilot like okay this happened now what I need to do and then miscarriage again this happened okay now what I need to do and I was just trying to like cope by doing something getting answers or doctor's appointments that I had just been avoiding my feelings um and during all of this time or that, you know, during all that time, um, my partner, partner's sister had a baby a week after my first miscarriage. And I didn't think it was something that's, that was going to affect me or be hard, but it was. It was kind of like a bittersweet moment. Like I was happy for her, but I was sad for myself. Um, so I think that kind of played a part on, you know, on everything too, like just those feelings. So I had asked my partner for some time to process what, you know, what happened to me and that I needed him as my partner. But it seemed like, I, I felt like I, we really didn't get the support, um, on, family side, I guess you could say. And like, I felt like my emotional state was just kind of like an inconvenience for family gatherings, just because I was sad. And, you know, I was depressed. And um, I think that slowly increased my depression during, you know, all this time, and it just kind of creeped on me. And, you know, the fact that I didn't have support or I couldn't really talk to him about it and um, just comments throughout the process, like um, comments like, when are you going to, when are you going to get over it? And that's something that I'm never really going to forget. Um, like I said before, I feel like as a mother, you experience all of these things and you picture your baby like, your baby's future and it's like you can't ask a, par a parent that has like three life kids and you lose one you're not gonna ask it well how long is it gonna take for you to get over your kid's death like it's still the same concept like it was still my two babies like just because they didn't make it doesn't mean they're any less of my kids and um so that was like a constant a constant argument between us about it and um just like comments that he would tell me and stuff like it I think it made like the situation even worse in our relationship kind of like um I guess you know different and um and I was trying to find blame I guess like the first one I kind of blamed it on myself and then the second one, because of the jet ski, I kind of like, I felt like it was his fault. And, you know, we started having a lot of arguments and stuff like that, which I did end up asking my doctor at the end, like, can that be a cause of it? And he's like, more likely than no. And I'm like, okay. And I did apologize to him for um, blaming the second one on him. But I think in my mind, I just kind of wanted a reason or a blame, I guess you could say. Um, so we, we do end, end up breaking up, 
breaking up and getting back together and breaking up again. And um, I think COVID too didn't help just um, all of this going on stuff. Um, and uh, I had like a moment where I just kind of like lost it. And I felt like, you know, including my childhood trauma and everything that I'd been through and my two miscarriages back to back and everything. Um, I feel like I just lost it and um, I do end up in the hospital and um, I was diagnosed with MDD, which is major depressive disorder and PTSD. Um, my anxiety was through the roof. Um, anytime I would see like a baby, um, I would kind of get like, like small anxiety attacks, which is, you know, like I felt like it wasn't normal. Um, I was having trouble sleeping. I wasn't sleeping. I started getting my nightmares again. Um, my anxiety attacks started to get worse and worse. And um, I realized, you know, by then, you know, ending up in the hospital, I realized that I needed help. And um, I thought that I could deal with this on my own. And I realized that I couldn't, that I needed um help and by suppressing my feelings it wasn't gonna help me either or avoiding the fact that you know that I did lose two babies um so I began um therapy I started therapy doing like once a week um when I had my bad moments I was doing therapy two times a week and slowly um, until I was okay and I would do therapy once a month, um, I did start on antidepressants too to help. And, you know, I, I began working on everything on myself, on, um, I guess, accepting what happened to me and trying to understand that it happens. It sucks, but it does happen. And um, I ended up getting laid off because of COVID. So um, it was hard again. And I just felt like, can this year get any worse? You know, and us breaking up again uh, was hard, you know, just because I felt like we were meant to be parents together um all the time and effort and money that we spent into the surgery and getting the surgery done for us to be um you know to be parents together and i just felt like my whole world was crushing down and i felt like now i don't even have the opportunity to be a mom again but it, i guess right now um that shouldn't even be my goal because, you know, of everything that's going on. And, um, and I just wanted to share my story with you guys. You did amazing. <laughs> like that was so good. And girl, you have been through it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I just want to say thank you for doing this. It's going to reach so many people and it's going to help so many people. If you could offer one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Um, so it's going to be kind of a long one, but, um, my advice would be allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel and take the time that you need. And if you need to remove yourself from friends and family, um, do so, do so like self care. I can't not express that you need to take care of yourself because trying to pretend that you're okay or that it didn't happen. It's only going to make things worse for you, not for anybody else only for you. And I did remove myself from Instagram and from, you know, just like social media in general. 
So if you need to remove yourself even from social media, like do it. And um, don't be ashamed to ask for help. I think that was part of the reasons why I didn't want to. I felt like um, I did feel ashamed, to be honest. Like, I'm like, I can't do this. I could do this on my own. So don't be ashamed to ask for help. Ask for therapy if you need to. It has been so helpful for me. And um, antidepressants do help. And that's what they're there for. And don't let comments from other people or even from family members or friends bring you down because only you know how it feels and no one else is going to understand that. Try, stop trying to make excuses for them or for yourself. Like, just honestly allow yourself to feel whatever you need to feel. And when you're ready, you're ready to talk to people or confront or, you know, acknowledge your story and do whatever makes you happy to accept your story. And um, I did get a tattoo for my two miscarriages and it's a pink carnation uh, that says my favorite what ifs, because no matter what, my two miscarriages are going to be my babies and they will forever be my favorite what ifs. The carnation um, for January, if you believe in stuff like that, is um, the month of January. So January 2nd will always be like a special bittersweet moment for me realizing what I have, I guess, because I do have life children and what I don't have. But I know deep down in my heart that they will always be with me and I will, you know, keep them alive in my memory. And as long as they're alive in your memory, that's all that matters. Yes, absolutely. I love the tattoo idea. I myself have a tattoo um, kind of resembling my and honoring my miscarriages as well. So um, to each their own on that, I love tattoos. Yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was very healing for me to get as well. So I just think that that's super cool. Um, now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? On Instagram. Perfect. I'll link that in the description of this episode. Again, thank you for doing this not only once, but twice for me. <laughs> I apologize <laughs> the first time having the technical difficulties. It's okay. Thank you so much, Shelly. Uh, we'll talk soon. Uh-huh. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to share your life after miscarriage story, go to shellymetling.com, click on the life after miscarriage tab and add yourself right to the recording schedule. And I can't wait to chat with you soon.